Thank you, President Robert and Rotarians and guests. Uh, today I have the honour of chairing this presentation of the 2018-19 Rotary Club of Melbourne Vocational Service Award, which recognises the distinguished service in a vocational sense of Edward Tudor. I'll now read his citation, which I think you will find will introduce Edward to you quite nicely. Since 2014, Edward has been Executive Director of the Melbourne Indigenous Transition School, MITS. Uh, the school is, in an, is an innovative educational initiative which works in a holistic way to empower Indigenous students to overcome many challenges in making the transition from remote and regional communities to, a big, to big city schools. In doing so, MITS students are more likely to complete their secondary education and attain the life and vocational skills that will be necessary for them to thrive in both the Indigenous community and the broader Australian communities. Edward's career began, interestingly, as a solicitor with law firm uh, King, Wood and Mallison's having been one of the firm's first uh, secondees to its Beijing office. He is a member of the Anglicare, board, uh, Anglicare Victoria Board Strategy Committee. He served as a member of the Old Scotch Collegians Association of their board um, uh, for the last five, year, for five years. In 2016, Edward was, was awarded the Jack Brockhoff Foundation Churchill Fellowship to study organisations supporting the transition of young Indigenous people to mainstream educational opportunities across the New Zealand, across New Zealand, Canada, the USA, and Lapland, Edward brings to his his role at MITS strong experience in corporate governance, project management, and commercial law. He has successfully led MITS through its startup phase, combining Melbourne's educational and sporting strengths with a supportive and culturally sensitive learning environment for Indigenous Year 7, seven students from remote and rural communities. After three years of operation, a positive impact on the educational outcomes uh, of these students is already apparent. Edward's vocational choice to dedicate his talents to this transition education initiative exemplifies the rotary ideal of service above self. He joins a distinguished body of men and women who have been the previous recipients of this award. I'd now like to invite uh, Edward and President Robert to come to the podium for the present presentation of the award. Edward, uh, many congratulations to you on uh, being the recipient in 2018 for this very special award. Well done.
I'm now going to invite uh, Edward to uh, make a few remarks for us, following which we'll be able to take a few questions. Thank you, Edward. Thank you very much, Reg, and uh, thank you, Robert, President, uh, Rotarians and guests. It is a real honour to be here talking to you today. Um, as I start, I do want to acknowledge the country that we are meeting on today the land of the Kulin Nations, of the Wurundjeri people, and pay my respects to their elders past, present, and most significantly for us at the Melbourne Indigenous Transition School emerging. It's a very, very special room here to be sitting in and um, to be looking over the beautiful country that we're meeting on, to see the Yarra River winding its way through the country. And of course, that word Yarra was derived from the Woiwurrung word, Yarra Yarra, which Upon um, arriving, uh, settlers asked the local people and pointed to the river and said, what is the name of that? And, and the local people thought that they were referring to the cascading section of the river that existed down in this part of the river 200-odd um, years ago. So in fact, Yarra Yarra means it flows or flowing water. And the name of this river was, in fact, Birung Ma, the river of mist. And now Birung Ma is the name of that great park just below us here. I want to also acknowledge uh, the other recipients of this terrific award who are in the room, um, all of whom have provided extraordinary service to the community over many years. I'd like to also acknowledge a couple of recipients who aren't in the room but who have had an impact on my own education, uh, Dr Gordon Donaldson, who was my principal at Scotch College, and Professor Glyn Davis, who was the Vice-Chancellor of the University of Melbourne while I was there. It, um, it's a disappointment to me uh, that, that Dr Donaldson can't be here today because uh, there was a rumour that went around for us boys at Scotch when he was the principal there, that when we were giving a speech in the Memorial Hall, that all of the teachers in the room, in the Memorial Hall, had been instructed to keep their eyes on Dr Donaldson as to whether or not he approved of the speech. If he did, he would sit unmoving. If he didn't, he would very subtly cross his legs, it was said, and all of the staff would know that they were not to laugh and not to cheer at the inappropriate jokes. So unfortunately, I don't have that good guidance today and I'll be relying on you all. But it is, it is something that I really do want to, to acknowledge both of those people who've had a significant impact on my own education. This is an immense honour for me and for all of the Melbourne Indigenous Transition School. And I really do accept it on behalf of everyone at MITS, our staff, our students, the many, many supporters who have brought MITS to life in recent years. As Reg said, the Melbourne Indigenous Transition School is a very, very small school for 22 students each year. We operate at year seven only, and those students from remote and regional communities come to us for one year because they have an aspiration and a desire to access the great schools of Melbourne. They live in our boarding house on Richmond Hill, which you could just about see from here, and they go to school every day inside the Richmond Football Club. And so I acknowledge Gareth Andrews, who's also in the room, and what a terrific club to be a part of at any time, and particularly at this time in its history. <laughs> It is particularly significant to receive this award because of the Rotary Club of Melbourne's support of MITS and more importantly of our students 
through the John Mitchell Indigenous Scholarship, which we were so fortunate to be a part of last November with uh, John's wife, Eileen, here. Um, and on receiving news of this wonderful award, I must say that as a former lawyer, I was very interested to look up the definition of the word vocation. Was MITS actually my vocation? After all, when we opened, I was a 30-year-old non-teacher, non-boarding staff member, non-Indigenous person. What business did I have to be running a boarding school for Indigenous students? So when I looked up the definition of the word vocation, I was particularly interested to see its synonyms. A calling, a mission, a purpose. It started to make more sense. My own pathway to this point has been one of an enormous amount of privilege and until October 2014, I dare say rather unremarkable. I was the fortunate beneficiary of a great education, first at Osborne Primary School on the Mornington Peninsula and then at Scotch College in Melbourne. And while I was at Scotch, I was in a play by a man named John Mortimer called A Voyage Round My Father. And in this play, one of the key characters, the father, said, in my first five years in Chambers, I did nothing but the Times crossword puzzle. And now I'd never been able to do the cryptic crossword, but I quite liked the idea of being able to do it. And so without much more thinking, I applied to law school. Five or six years later, I still couldn't do the cryptic crossword and had only learnt a small amount more about the law, I think. From there, I applied for clerkships and I received one at Mallison's. I liked the firm and they seemed to like me. And again, without all that much thinking, I ended up there as a law graduate in 2011. I really enjoyed it there. I got great access to opportunities. We did some very exciting deals and I learned a great deal. But I knew that something was missing, that calling. And all the while, MITS was ticking along in the background. It was a family project, one conceived at the breakfast table with a conversation with mum and dad talking about how we could solve this problem to provide educational opportunity in Melbourne to the families and students who aspired to it. And that conversation at the breakfast table led to the dinner table and it involved myself and my sister. It led to the dining room where we formed a small steering committee in 2008. And then it led to a boardroom table when in 2010 we incorporated as an entity. We searched for a property, we got deductible gift recipient status, and we developed early architectural plans and policies. We were working at night on weekends and in stealthily taken lunch breaks from the law firm. And to make it all happen, we knew that we would need money. And so we spoke to people, lots of people, and quite a lot thought it was a good idea. In fact, they thought it was a terrific idea. It made clearly so much sense. And once we were up and running, they would be so happy to support us. The music was up loud. The tunes were good, the vibe on the dance floor was great, and we were busting out some pretty good dance moves. But no one wanted to join us on the dance floor. And there's a great YouTube on that that you might watch sometime. So by mid-2014, it was looking pretty grim. We'd been talking about this idea for years, um, but nothing had really happened. It seemed that no one wanted to join us on the dance floor. And then one Saturday night in June of 2014, we got a call from a person who also thought that the music was pretty good. If we could raise the rest of the startup funds, she said, then she would contribute half a million dollars. 
And this was such an important lesson for me. The importance of taking the plunge, of really, really blind optimism, of faith that things will come good. It's sometimes maddening, this optimism, but I have developed it of something as a policy now, admits. It can get you an awfully long way. And so at this point, I asked the MITS board if they would have me work for MITS for a year to be the first employee to try to get it off the ground. I spoke to Mallisons and asked them for a 12-month leave of absence. And I started at MITS in a disused office at the St Kevin's College Richmond campus across the road from MITS and generously provided by Stephen Russell, one of our directors, the headmaster of St Kevin's. And as I left the law firm, a very generous and well-meaning partner would say to me, if it doesn't work out, don't be too proud to come back. 15 months later, we would open to our first 22 students. And so this time last year or thereabouts, I reported to this room on MITS and the early days of how MITS is going. We are now in our third year and so have our third cohort of young year seven students with us and we are about to make offers to our fourth cohort. I was very, very fortunate a week ago to travel to remote communities through the Roper River region of the Northern Territory, Nuka, Jukmingan, Manyalalak and others. And it was so affirming, as it always is, to hear the aspirations of our parents, of our, of our students, and to hear their calls and desire for this great opportunity. At its core, that is what MITS is about. It is about choice for Aboriginal families and students and about access to opportunity. The number of applications that we've received at MITS in the last three years has now tripled. And we don't advertise. We believe that if we do our job right, our students will advertise for us. We've learned an enormous amount in the early years of our MITS program. Undoubtedly, we've made many mistakes and we're very open about that. We seek to learn from them. We've seen the progress from learning from our mistakes in our attrition rates. Attrition is a very normal part of supporting young people as they study away from home. It's an immensely challenging thing to do, and any young person will be prone to the possibility that they might love it in theory, but not love the practice. So in our first two years, we had 25% attrition in our MITS cohort at year seven. And we were quietly pleased with this. It was in line with the global norm that I saw through my Churchill Fellowship and was better than we were seeing in other places in the country. But this year, in 2018, only one student of our 22 students has left us. The other 21 students will step next year into life-changing opportunities at our partner schools. You can see the progress that we've made in the last three years in our attendance rates also. We know that there is direct correlation between school attendance and educational outcomes. Last year, our attendance rates through the first half of the year were 88%. And we thought that was pretty good. This is in a space where at some community schools in, in remote communities, you would see attendance rates in the 30s. This year, through the first half of the year, our attendance rate has been over 97%. In aggregate, that means that this year's class of students have been to an additional 163 days of school compared to last year's. And we treat every day as a learning opportunity. 
Our school program is becoming richer and richer each year. Just today, as I speak, our students are at a dance workshop with the Bangara Dance Company. This year, they've also worked with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, the Monash University Museum of Art, the Royal Botanic Gardens, and many, many more. And we're learning from our engagement with our community. We know very clearly that our stakeholders, the most important people to our organisation, our students and our families, are not based here in Melbourne. By vast majority, they are based in the remote communities of the Northern Territory. And so we are delighted that our community engagement manager, who does that important work of representing MITS and speaking with our families and our students about their aspirations, will soon move to Darwin to be based closer to those families. We follow also our alumni very, very closely through our Pathways program, and we provide support to them the schools they attend and the Melbourne families that they very often live with. This remains an incredibly challenging step for students and not every student will find it to be what they hope. It will not work in every case. But we have an enormous amount to celebrate. This week, Fiona from our class of 2016 received Border of the Week at MLC. In a few weeks' time, she'll go to Marshmead. Latoya from our class of 2017 just received her first A at Kingswood College, the product of many months of hard work. Johnny at St Kevin's just played the didge in front of an audience of 400 people at an event to celebrate their year nine camps. And on his camp, he went kayaking in the Whit Sundays. And Anthony at Trinity Grammar has just returned from his year nine camp program, two weeks of living in Beijing. Not bad for a boy from Peppermanati community of 150. Our students are achieving quite extraordinary things. So it is clear that the MITS program is working. It is enabling young people to pursue their ambitions and take on the challenge and opportunity of schooling in Melbourne. But over the past three years, we have learned of the incredible importance of belonging for our young people, of feeling connected to a place, to a community, to a group of peers who understand them and know them. And in this vein, one of our great challenges remains accommodation for our students once they leave MITS. So where to next? Well, some of our students already go into boarding houses. Others go to Melbourne families. And when that works, there is nothing better than living with a great Melbourne family. But for some, we know that we need to look realistically at an alternative. And so, with some Richmond greats in the room, I'm really excited to be able to talk about what we are pursuing with the Richmond Football Club. You may have read in the paper on the weekend that the Richmond Football Club is pursuing a $60 million redevelopment of Punt Road Oval to create a community hub at Punt Road. And MITS will be a very significant part of that. We will create an additional 40 beds for our MITS alumni. They will go every day to the great schools of Melbourne using that transport hub of Richmond Station and return every night to that very, very culturally strong, culturally safe environment at the club there. This is an exciting project and it requires a great deal of support from many people, not least the state government and the federal government. And so my call to you now is that if you're feeling disheartened with politics, if you can't work out who on earth you would vote for come November or come May, vote for the party that is going to support this important initiative. And one more call for your help before I finish. 
We know that we experience many great challenges at MITS and our students experience many great challenges. The pathway for these young people is rarely linear. What they are doing is indisputably hard. And despite that, we know that they are all seeking success. I want to ask for help from you here. For these young people, and indeed for all young people, we need to frame this notion of success broadly. Beyond the quantitative lure of NAPLAN, of ATAR and of PM benchmark testing, the power of education is not what we achieve in it, but what we achieve as a result of it. For our young people at MITS, success will look like many great things. I think of some of those alumni I was talking about. Kanita wants to become a lawyer. Junior, a Kakadu Ranger. Troy, a scientist. And Johnny, a cattle station manager. All want to be successful. Education is, without doubt, the greatest social lever that we have. And we see the power of that lever at MITS. It is with my sincere thanks to the club that I accept this award today, and I accept it on behalf of all of us at MITS. And in particular, I thank you all for your immense support of MITS through the John Mitchell Indigenous Scholarship. Thank you.